0: We have to get to, again, the root cause of why we're seeing some of these things happening and pull in from each specialist when we need to.
1: Hi, I'm Shelly and I'm Maria and you're listening to the baby pro
2: podcast where we talk about everything and anything related to pregnancy
3: and through the first year of your child's life.
1: Every episode, we will discuss and interview experts on all the answers to the questions expectant and new parents want to know such as creating the perfect birth plan, infant sleep and tips and tricks for parenting a newborn. And Welcome to the show. Hey, Maria. Hey, Shelly. It was like a really warm out today and it felt like a different planet
2: (laughs) it was nice and it was like the last couple of warm days we've had have still felt cold because it's been so windy and today Mm -hmm. was just nice
1: it was nice yeah I left my jacket in the car got me thinking about gardening like oh shoot gotta start to plan that gardening probably
2: behind your town is three different zones but only like on the very edges Like one edge up here is another zone and one edge down here and all the rest of it is one.
1: Isn't that like so fitting for Massachusetts, though? Like for one town to be three different zones?
2: I Yeah. And I'm a completely different zone than you are. Oh, sure.
1: Yeah. Well, I got like two feet of snow the last snowstorm and you had nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So weird. So weird. This week we are speaking... With Kimmy and Megan from the Munch Bunch Myo podcast. And they are myofunctional therapists. Have you ever heard of myofunctional therapy?
2: I have heard of it, but I don't necessarily understand what it is. It's pretty much a program of specific
1: exercises that target like the facial muscles and help build up strength and coordination. Yeah, coordination, coordination of swallowing, chewing, all that. So it's not most of myofunctional therapy involves the the person or child has to be old enough to mimic. So typically, we don't use myofunctional therapy right, as much yeah. with babies. But if you have a baby whose tongue tie or something was missed and gets released later on, myofunctional would be good. Nice. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And they, so they're talking to us about how, you know, certain things that are missed in infancy, how they can impact the the child later in life and things that you can do for it. Cool. I don't think we have very many myofunctional therapists in Massachusetts.
2: Um, Not that I've heard talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I not <don't- laughs> But but also, like, you know, especially in our field where we do a lot of collaborative work with other professions, like you, we work with OTs or SLPs, ENTs, dentists, all those people, but not myofunctional therapists. And I don't, it didn't even, like, occur to me, I guess, Mm -hmm. because... You're right. For something like that, it's going to be for older babies, or not older babies, but like toddlers or older mm-hmm. or adults.
1: I have a lot of friends who had their ties released as an adult, and that's who they worked with was a biofunctional therapist before and right. after. Whereas when we send babies for body work as an adult, you would do myofunctional therapy. Yeah, but it's pretty cool, and I'm looking forward to that. Um, but first. Did you see that they have, they're now urging parents to limit container time for babies due to container baby syndrome, which we know what that is in our field. Do you want to explain yes. what that is? I don't want
2: to explain what that is.
1: <laughs> You're just so sick of it. Okay, I, container I, baby syndrome is when a baby spends so much time in containers, swings, car seats, bouncy chairs, whatever, that they don't move around enough and they start to get like a flat head or tightness or asymmetry. Because in the U.S., we love our containers.
2: You know, I, I don't understand that. We love to put our babies down. Mm. And I don't understand that. I think the first time that Dan and I ever used a swing with Morgan, I think she was like a month old. Maybe a little bit older. And we both stared at her the entire time. Like, <laughs> like what now? <laughs> yeah. And he and her both like, this feels like cheating somehow. And we just like watched her in the swing. <laughs> I will say when I started my private practice,
1: like eight years ago, almost 10, there was a swing in every house. Now, I hardly ever see a swing. I feel like swings are not as common. I had a swing when I had babies. I didn't use it that often.
0: Yeah. But it's
1: just odd how things like come into a style and then don't come into style. Fall out of style.
2: Yeah, but I wonder. I don't like because we see a lot of newborns, right? You don't necessarily see. Proportionally speaking, we don't necessarily see older babies too often. We see a lot of newborns. And maybe at that stage, like when we're first working with parents, they haven't gotten to that swing yet. (laughs) Like, it comes on later.
1: Yeah, maybe. It just is a lot less than it used to be. Maybe parents are waiting on the swings. Because swings can take up a lot of space, too. So I feel like they used to get it on their their baby registry, and now maybe they're just waiting. I'm not complaining, because personally... Container baby syndrome. <laughs> keep, yeah. keep your baby out of swing. So the experts are recommended that you limit a baby's time in a container to only 20, a few 20-minute sessions per day. Outside of bedtime? Yeah. Or when you're cooking dinner or something. So a basic rule of thumb is that when you have access to a floor in a baby-proof room where you can supervise and interact with your child, opt for tummy time over a container holding a baby or wearing them in a container is better for their development than an extended time laying in a container.
2: Hold your babies.
1: I'm just happy that attention is like in mainstream media is finally paying attention to this and getting the word out.
2: (laughs) Yeah. There are
1: still parents who are being told that if they hold their baby too much.
2: Right. You're going to spoil their baby. Right. We're not going to learn how to be independent. We're so obsessed with independence in this country.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um I'm not even going to get into why because
2: I'm just so I just know. Sparkly. I know. Yeah, let's we won't go down <laughs> let's that just road. Just say patriarchy. <laughs> yeah, but, but people do really love their containers. It's not swings anymore, but it's other things. Mm-hmm. There's always a container of some kind. Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, and realistically, so you have to put your baby down sometimes. We're not expecting yeah. anyone to be a martyr about it. But just be mindful of how much time your baby is spending in a container, especially if they go through a tongue tie release, because the less time in containers, the less risk for reattachment. Yeah.
2: Movement is key. Mm-hmm. Movement is super important. Also, like one of the exercises I have my clients do sometimes is when I tell them to keep their baby off their back as much as possible, though, they're always a little bit confused by that. And I tell them, I'm like, why don't you lay your head back and feel what happens to your tongue when you do that? Mm -hmm. And then bring your head up and bring it forward and feel what happens to your tongue when you do that. You can Mm -hmm. feel it literally coming forward if you are more upright or even forward, like laying on your stomach. Versus on your back where it's falling into your
3: throat. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. And
1: for, for kids who have airway issues in their sleep, they will often toss and turn a lot, but also end up sleeping on their stomach, often with their butt sticking in the air. And mm-hmm. that is their way to keep their tongue out of their airway mm-hmm. and open up their airway more. But that's a whole nother topic. Now we're just digressing.
2: <laughs> yeah, really let's move on to our,
1: (laughs) (laughs) let's do our question of the week. Um, So this week's question is, what is your recommendation around sunflower lecithin? Do you recommend that parents take it generally every day? No, no. I have noticed that I am working with a lot more families who are being told to take sunflower lecithin because it will help their milk
2: supply. That's weird.
1: I know, right? And then I think there, so there's a certain hospital in Boston. They have a vending machine in their NICU that sells Medela products and it also sells sunflower lecithin. And the LCs that work in that NICU keep telling the parents to buy it for milk supply, to increase milk supply. If you're listening to this and you're a parent considering taking sunflower lecithin, it will not increase your milk supply.
2: Doesn't do anything for that. Might give you some irritable bowels. Mm Mm-hmm. No, we did recently learn that sunflower lecithin can actually cause irritation in the GI tract. And more importantly, what they discovered is that the actual component of sunflower lecithin that is thought to assist with like plug ducts is choline. That is the the component or constituent of sunflower lecithin that actually has that action. Now, the other thing I will say about that is We love to take supplements in this country. That's one of our favorite things to do is to to just take it by mouth. But one thing that I have found to be super helpful for most of my clients with plug ducts is, aside from the obvious, like making sure the breast is being emptied effectively, is uh, breast gymnastics. Mm -hmm. My Bowman's technique of just breast movement, of like Mm -hmm. moving your breast around several times a day, getting the lymph fluid moving, stretching out the ducts, things like that. I have found that to be more helpful than anything my clients have been able to take orally, mm-hmm. just moving. Yep. I agree. And some parents find it
1: easier just to incorporate like choline rich foods, like egg yolks. And some yep. parents who are just finding it hard to eat or like, I I can't like try to take this list of food and put it in my diet. I'm barely eating. And then that maybe it is more appropriate for them to take it orally too, along with like breast gymnastics, depending on how many plug ducts they're getting. But it's yeah, it's primarily used to help prevent plug ducts. It does not do anything to increase milk supply. So if you're not so, having any issues with plug ducts, don't waste your money and protect yeah. your, G- your GI.
2: Yeah, really. And sunflower less. I'm trying to think what else would be in it. There's B vitamins in sunflower less than right. I'm not sure. Yeah. I think so. I think B vitamins, I think that's one of the things that it's rich in. I'll have to look that up later. But if you're deficient in B vitamins, so let's say you're vegan maybe and you're not super careful about your diet, you might be deficient in some B vitamins, particularly B12. And if I'm remembering correctly, I think that is the B vitamin. It could just be that you were deficient in something and adding that Vitamin to your diet to balance things out is what helped, not necessarily the sunflower less And there's way better ways to get B vitamins into your diet than through that.
1: Did you know that a vitamin B12 deficiency in the parent can cause low weight gain in the baby?
2: Interesting. Makes mm-hmm. sense.
1: Yeah. Marsha Walker did a really interesting case study on that, working with a vegan mom whose baby wasn't gaining. Oh. Oh, interesting. And then once they gave the baby and the mom vitamin B injections, the baby started gating
2: again. Huh. How did they pinpoint it was B B vitamin deficiency? Do you remember? Oh, I don't really. I think it was just like a matter of
1: they were, they kind of had ruled everything out else out and they had actually admitted the baby for a full workup. And then she was talking to the grandmother of the baby who is also vegan. And the grandmother mentioned that she was having, she just found out she was severely deficient in vitamin B12 and having to get injections. And that's when she thought to ask the mom like, Oh, are you vegan too? And suggested testing the baby for vitamin B12. So that is why one of the reasons why, you know, if you're, if, if you're working with an IBCLC, one of the questions they will ask you is what, you know, you're, if you have a special type of diet, vegetarian, vegan, gluten-free, that is one of the questions on my intake forms. So yeah, we can means kind of um, catch any red flags there that might be causing issues for you or a baby.
2: And I have actually started asking, like, I'm not going to say more in-depth questions because I'm not a nutritionist, but just trying to pinpoint a few things a little bit things that are important nutrition wise for like lactating parents that they may not realize like our calcium intake. That's the mm-hmm. big one. Magnesium. Um, exactly. Calcium, magnesium, um, vitamin D, which is Everyone's really deficient, deficient. In, vitamin D. Yeah, especially in New England. Everybody's deficient yeah. in vitamin D, but these are all really like basic vitamins and minerals that like most of us don't get enough of in our diet, but are really important for lactation.
1: Yes. And you may have heard a lot of people walk around saying it doesn't matter what you eat when you're breastfeeding. It doesn't matter what you eat when you're breastfeeding. And I understand the message behind that because some parents, um, not so much recently, but when I first opened my private practice, they would say, I don't know if I should breastfeed because I don't have a good, I don't eat a lot of healthy food. I eat right. a lot of McDonald's or I eat a lot of cereal. And that doesn't really matter. But mm-hmm. you shouldn't say that what you matter, what you eat doesn't matter at all because you do want to make sure that you're getting in those vitamins and minerals that are really needed, especially in postpartum, especially if you like lost a lot of blood during labor and delivery or something, or you're recovering from a C-section. Like you need to really nurture your body, give it nutritious foods.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, And it's, there are some people that are going to make gobs of milk, uh, no matter like how many deficiencies they have <laughs> yes. there. And like, but the most of the rest of us are going to be a little bit more sensitive to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you might be surprised, like if you're just kind of borderline or just hanging on, making sure you throw in some more calcium and magnesium into your diet, maybe some more vitamin D.
1: Yeah. That was a great question. If you have a question that you'd like us to answer on the podcast, you can DM it to me on Instagram. I'm at at Next up, we have Kimmy and Megan. Many times when I'm working with families whose babies have tongue ties or high palates, they always have questions about what that is going to do in the baby's future. How is that going to um impacts my baby as they get older. So this week I'm really happy to have Megan and Kimmy from the Munch Bunch podcast on to talk to us all about myofunctional disorders, sleep issues, airway issues and how they can address the root cause through myofunctional therapy. Hi Megan, hi Kimmy. Hello.
0: Hi. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Can you tell us a little bit about yourselves and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Kimmy, you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? You can go first. Okay. Uh, so Kimmy and I are the co-hosts of the Munch Bunch podcast. Um, and we are so grateful to be joining your podcast, Shelly. So thank you so much for the invitation. Kimmy and I, and I'll let Kimmy share her story too, but I'm going to share our origin story. Uh, we are both dental <laughs> hygienists who are... Specialized in myofunctional therapy. Uh, I started my practice in 2016, Northwest Myofunctional Therapy. Uh, We had an in person practice for about two and a half, three years. Um, In the meanwhile, also building a virtual practice. We used to use Skype back in the day. (laughs) We upgraded to Zoom in 2018 and fully went uh, virtual at the end of 2018. So um, I've been able to see pretty much kids five and up around the world for the past several years and it's been awesome which led me to meet kimmy uh, in 2020 right before the world shut down like literally the week before the world shut down (laughs) Uh, (laughs) we met in san francisco at a pediatric dental conference representing mayo munchie and uh, we just spending like three or four days together hit it off went to the golden gate bridge Fisherman's War have had just like the best time. Lots of ice cream at Ghirardelli Square, right? (laughs) Um, (laughs) We had the best time. And when we got back, Kimmy's like, we should start a podcast. Actually, it might've even been at the conference that Kimmy's like, we Mm -hmm. should start a podcast. And I was like, yeah, I'm in, let's do it. And here we are, you know, we just celebrated our three year anniversary Um, (laughs) and uh, we've been having a great time. So I'm based out of Portland, personal life. I'm based out of Portland, Oregon. Um, I have a two-year-old, um, Isabelle. She is the best, Izzy Baby. She was born lip-tongue and cheek-tied, so we kind um, of quite, you name it, she got yeah. it. Uh, <laughs> she was, she, she goes all out all the time, so it makes <laughs> sense. <laughs> it's on brand. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, she's on brand, so uh, we went through that journey with her and my breastfeeding with journey with her was actually really, really difficult. I had retained placenta and so I actually didn't produce um, milk and we were in with lactation like twice a week trying to like figure everything out. And after about like nine, 10 weeks of like giving it our like everything we got, I couldn't produce more than like two to four ounces of milk a day. And even hospital grade pump, even supplementing like through a nipple shield, like you name it, we tried it. So we ended up having to end our journey early, which was really emotionally hard for me, knowing everything I know about facial development. And so she went over to the bottle um, and that's kind of where we ended up. So we do everything functionally now to help her continue to grow and mm-hmm. work on all those things. So. Yeah, that's, uh, that's my story. That's kind of a long story. Cause I have to include Izzy baby and everything I do, of <laughs> course. <so. laughs> the extension of my heart, like my heart literally outside of my body. So exactly. she just counts, counts inside uh, in all my stories. So, and then Kimmy is amazing. I'll introduce mm-hmm. her. Kimmy Nishimoto. She just got married in Mexico. Ooh. <laughs> it was amazing. Best wedding ever. It um, was. You were there. I assume. Oh, yes. Like, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Front and center. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's so cool that you guys just clicked instantly. And we're like,
3: Hey, we've been at this conference. Now we're like besties. Yeah. We've only Mm -hmm. been in person maybe like four,
0: maybe five times. times. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But we talk constantly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it feels like we're in person together all the time. Like Mm -hmm. we just always feel like we're together. So, Mm -hmm. um, which has been so fun about our friendship. So Mm -hmm. Kimmy, your turn. Okay. My name is Kimi Nishimoto,
3: and I had every myofunctional disorder there was, (laughs) and we will go into what that means in the episode, guys. But basically, dental hygienist got into dental hygiene because I had a really horrible fear of the dentist. And when I was sixteen, I was still having my mother hold my hand through cleanings, and I realized I should probably get over it at this point. <laughs> so you really
1: leaned into your fair. Yes.
3: Yes, I love that. <laughs> I decided maybe I should be like more friendly to my dental hygienist and my dentist and like maybe to try to understand like why they were torturing me. And you know, kind of was like, oh, on the other side of this, it's really cool. So I went on to be a dental assistant, dental hygienist, um, did that for many, many years. And then through fate or whatever you want to call it um, learned about airway and myofunctional therapy. And it's led me down this other beautiful journey. So now I help kids, adults, families, everybody except for babies (laughs) um, learn how to breathe better, sleep better, digest, and just live more functionally, which kind of affects every other part of life. And then obviously the podcast is super, super fun and our major passion project in life. And, uh, so yeah, my, my practice is virtual. I work with ages around three, four years old and up. Um, I work with a lot of families I do virtual. So I kind of live wherever I want to live, which is a dream of mine to be a digital nomad. And as of last year, I'm doing it. So that's been really, really fun. Yeah. That's, that's my origin story. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. So
1: yeah, I hear like myofunctional therapy and myofunctional disorders thrown around a lot mm-hmm. by the families I'm working with. It's often like, oh, someone told me that I should take my my baby or my toddler to get some myofunctional therapy. What exactly is myofunctional therapy and myofunctional disorders? Because I feel like a lot of parents don't really know what they're looking for when they are being told to to go see someone for that.
0: Yeah, so... Myofunctional therapy, myofunctional disorders, first of all, it's a big old mouthful that, like, is really hard for everybody to, I like, think, <laughs> even like remember. And so it actually gets confused a lot. Sometimes it gets thrown around with myofacial, sometimes it gets confused with like uh, myofascial release. And so, myofunctional therapy as an umbrella is basically a functional therapy that is designed to help with any sort of basically what we call functional disorders right? We keep throwing out functional but what that really means is helping us breathe better, speak better, chew better, you know, some of the most basic things and how we like rewind back to what that looks like is we want you breathing through your nose all day and all night. Lips sealed together all day and all night. Tongue fully up sealed to the roof of the mouth and then that correct chewing and swallowing piece. So that's like 30,000 foot view. And how we get there is a little bit different depending on your symptoms, depending on you know your compensations, depending on your needs, depending on kind of what the root cause of those things are to begin with. So the difference between myofunctional therapy, and this is where things can feel confusing or sometimes a little sticky is you have to be able to mimic back the exercises, okay? Mm-hmm. And so, for that younger population—toddlers, one-year-olds, two-year-olds—like Kimmy and I don't work with them. I mean, I experiment on Isabel all the time, but that's because <laughs> she's my—that's because she's my child. Um, and when we need more help, we will recruit more help from occupational therapists, from speech-language pathologists who specialize in oral motor therapy, who specialize in feeding therapies and so there is a line between that and there's a specialist just like for you shelly being uh, you know an IBCLC. you know we all have kind of our specialty and we all can work really really well together so a myofunctional disorder really is kind of the basis the opposite of those four goals right Mm -hmm. so mouth breathing having your lips apart having your tongue live in the bottom of your mouth not being able to chew and swallow correctly sometimes oral habits like extended uses of pacifiers is a red flag thumb sucking finger sucking chewing on sleeves chewing on you know your toys hands and feet you know just kind of that like always sensory seeking within the mouth mm-hmm. are some kind of beginning stage red flags kind of in that younger age group that were Looking for um, sleep stuff, right? So the kids who do gymnastics in their sleep, mm-hmm. the kids who snore, the big droolers, bedwetters. I'm like just like calling out all of my own myofunctional disorders. Yeah. So just so you know, like I'm like, <laughs> what did I do? I was a bedwetter. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and Timmy, what are some of the other stuff? Nightmares, night terrors. Nightmares, really? Mm-hmm.
3: That's interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah sleep- I can
3: actually... Um, I can actually share about that. Yeah, I had nightmares every single night of my life since I was a small child until I had my tongue tie surgery when I was 29. So every single night of my life until I was 29. And now I will have a nightmare if I'm congested or if I'm very stressed. It's the weirdest thing. But I hmm. think that nightmares are more of a telltale sign of sleep disordered breathing than we give it credit for.
1: And what's the connection um, there? Like, why would sleep disorder breathing cause a nightmare? Do you know?
3: I think my theory is that when we breathe hard and heavy, mm-hmm. our body is trying to wake us up. Mm-hmm. Or it's trying to, like, create a story behind,
0: like, why we're breathing so hard. Gotcha. Yeah, that would and make sense. What do you think about it, Meg? So, you know, there's a couple of different ways. Like, when we start to lose oxygen, Right and our brain starts to lose oxygen and it's like oh no like this can't happen up in here right um our body responds in a few different ways and like nightmares kind of fall in that fight or flight response right like oh we're losing oxygen we need to do something to like get oxygen so one thing it can do is it can like kind of start creating that like fear which is where kind of the nightmares come from in that like sleep cycle right it can also put our heart like put a lot of pressure on our heart to pump really hard to get blood flowing to get oxygen and then a fluid buildup happens around the heart which flushes to the kidneys which then is where like bladder bedwetting or adults just like wake up mm-hmm. to go to the bathroom at night on the dental perspective clenching and grinding right so you're clenching grind your body feels pain and then you pop open mm-hmm. right yeah and so it's a cycle And, you know, how your body responds, I think sometimes it's age dependent. I think sometimes it's, you know, kind of what your anatomy is. Mm -hmm. You know, some people get to do all of them, right? I was a clencher and grinder. I was a bedwetter, but I wasn't a nightmare person, Mm -hmm. right? Kimmy was a nightmare person. Um, And you've done some clenching and grinding too, right? Oh, yeah. Um, Ever since
3: I was a kid, I used to wake up bashing my teeth. It'd be so hard. I'd wake myself up or um, by the time I was 17, all of my front teeth were flattened and my back teeth have no grooves on them anymore. They're just totally flat. And that was another thing that after I had my tongue tie surgery, I stopped grinding my teeth that night. That
1: night. mm -hmm. (laughs) That's so quick.
3: It's so wild. The airway is so, so important. I thought it would be fun if we could talk today about, you know, babies. Maybe you miss the ties or you miss some of the oral dysfunction on your first kid. Maybe how that would look in a toddler or how it would look in a child, teenager, adult, and just kind of go through some ages and stages. Does that sound okay to you? Um,
1: before we jump into that, you mentioned like tongue tie is being connected to uh, myofunctional Disorders. Can you explain a little bit why? Like, why would a tongue tie cause these issues? And what are some other things that cause these disorders? In my practice, I see a lot of babies who have ties, but also really high, narrow palates, really recessed jaws, things like that. Does that have a connection as well?
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it all goes back to basically your palate, the roof of your mouth is where your tongue is meant to live. And so anything that keeps the tongue from living up in that palate is going to cause a domino effect of dysfunction through the body. So like a tongue tie is where it's physically tethered or anchored down to the floor where it can't fully seal up there. If they have low tone or a low muscular posture, uh, we call it low tongue posture, where the tongue just kind of sits in the floor or sits against the front teeth, but it's not fully suctioned and sealed to the roof. That can also cause dysfunction. Um, tongue thrusting is that infantile swallow where they push forward versus push on the roof and then swallow like the wave motion. Mm-hmm. Um, and then other things like that could take the tongue out of the palate would be like thumb sucking or finger sucking or any sort of oral seeking that maybe is causing them not to have their tongue in the roof. So tongue tie is a really big factor when it comes to all this development and the airway because the tongue has to press on the palate to grow that bone, the bone that goes from your under eyes to your top jaw. We call it the maxilla. So the tongue has like a very specific pressure and motion, um, almost like a wave when we are swallowing correctly. And that pressure, as well as the posture, like how it's sitting up there is what helps to grow the bones. Um, So tongue tie is a big factor because it can't always fit up there or it can't fit fully. Um, So you got the anterior tongue tie where it's really tight to the tip, or you have the posterior tongue tie where It can't get up in the back to seal. And so any of those things could cause domino effect of dysfunction in the airway, which is the space behind the tongue, which is our breathing tube. So Mm -hmm. a lot of times with kids that grow up with tongue tie, they end up being restlessly because they're trying to readjust and move that tongue out of their airway. Same Mm -hmm. thing with tongue thrusting. Megan, what's your thoughts?
0: Uh, First of all, that was beautiful. (laughs) <laughs> loved it um the other thing so what i have a couple like cheesy phrases that like get thrown around um mm-hmm. so one is like form follows function right and what does that mean for us like the function of the muscles of your face your mouth and your tongue actually form your face and your bones right like how many times have you heard like all through school that like your tongue's the strongest muscle in your body right Mm -hmm. and that our bones are malleable and they're always growing and so if we're putting the correct forces from the strongest muscle in your body onto these malleable bones it either can work for you or it can work against you right Mm -hmm. and our job is to get it working for you at its core that is our job and so when that tongue's fully up in the roof of your mouth it can act like a natural expander when your lips are closed appropriately they can be your face's braces and everything comes together as it is designed so we always tell our kids i tell adults too but you know kids think it's funnier that noses are for breathing and mouths are for eating mm-hmm. you wouldn't eat through your nose so you shouldn't breathe through your mouth right mm-hmm. and all of that any of these kind of big things that we're talking about whether it's like tongue mobility restrictions right is kind of the fancy way to talk about tongue tie Because we're looking at, you know, there's different grades of tongue ties, there's different scales of tongue ties, at its core, it's your tongue's mobility and range of motion impacted by the string, by that freedom under your tongue, or is it not? Like, that's Mm -hmm. really what it breaks down to, no matter what grade you are. We're looking at the function of the tongue as an organ, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so when those things aren't happening, that's where we see that trickle- down effect that you're talking about. And so it's all kind of just what are the contributors to that? And that's where we kind of you know we can get nitpicky on every every single symptom. But really, when we're talking about like growth and tongue ties and mobility and tongue posture, is it affecting function? Are you having compensations to work around that? If yes, then we need to do something about it.
1: Mm-hmm. And I like how you had mentioned think what it can look like, the early red flags. Like I have a lot of babies who can't seal their lips and they sleep with their mouth open. That's actually a question that I ask on my intake is, does your baby sleep with their mouth open or closed? Um, Clogged tear ducts too. I see a lot of that with babies who can't seal or have a high palate. Um, And I, I almost feel like maybe the palate cuts too much into the nasal passages and stuff and just clogs it up. So when I'm working with the family and we're struggling to, well, they're struggling with feeding and we're figuring out why sometimes there's a tie and it's missed or sometimes the family opts not to release the tie or there's the high palate and the recessed jaw. So um, what happens in the future? Because I help families with how it impacts the breastfeeding and bottle feeding. But a very common question that I get from most of the families I work with is, okay, well, we we kind of got the breastfeeding part worked out. We have it at least working. Maybe it's a lot of compensations that are why it's working, but it's working. So what about in the future? Like, is it going to impact my baby's speech? Is it going to impact all this other stuff? And I can't assess for that. So I think it's a great idea if we go into like the ages, what it can look like at different ages.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of like a blanket blanket statement that we hear a lot, too, is like, oh, well, it's not affecting their speech. So we don't need to do anything. And that's like one piece of like the what, like 12 to 18 piece, like pie, puzzle, pizza, whatever your preference is. Right. So speech definitely R's, L's, S's, T's, right. Like speech definitely can be impacted stutters tripping over words clarity mumbling right and when speech is impacted um, that's where we would partner with a speech therapist to help us in that functional space and then we're also looking at breathing habits right if we're breathing through our nose our nose i think it does like 90 percent of the filtration system you know like that's our our body's air filter If we bypass that and we use the tonsils, which are only kind of, I think, supposed to catch that last 10%, we start seeing tonsil infections. We start seeing adenoid infections. If we don't swallow correctly, especially when we're younger, then like the angle of our jaws are a little more upwards. And so for tongue thrusting, when we swallow, that fluid then drains into our ears. And then we start seeing major issues with ear infections. So chronic ear infections, needing ear tubes. Kids who are like sick all the time because again they're not filtering out viruses through their noses. You know, well, we already talked about this, but I'm thinking like toddlery, right? Thumb mm-hmm. suckers. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of what are some of the other toddler stage stuff that you can think of, Kimmy?
3: Um, I see where the kids don't sleep through the night and they wake up a lot. Mm-hmm. I've even had this one little boy where he was three years old and he had never slept more than two hours at night, mm-hmm. like in stretches longer than two hours. So, um, I, that's not really my area of expertise, but mom did come to me and I taught her how to do some nasal hygiene and how to help keep his lips more sealed. And then he started sleeping. Like, I think he got to like five, six hour stretches, which was a miracle for her. She never ended up coming back because she was so happy that he was sleeping. Mm-hmm. Which I'm like, dang it. I shouldn't have done such a good job. <laughs> I see these kids
1: too that sleep a lot with their neck extended back mm-hmm. or they, they only sleep on their tummy
0: mm-hmm.
1: to, to open up their airway. And I'll see like a lot of moms. Oh, look, my baby always sleeps like this. Isn't it cute? Mm -hmm. It just feels so bad because I'm like, your baby is adorable, but it's not cute that they sleep like that because there's an issue there. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a body compensation to sleep with Mm -hmm. their head back um, Mm -hmm. or tucking their knees and kind of they're like sleeping on their bellies on their knees with their little butts in the air. Mm -hmm. That's also a compensation to try and open up the airway to help them breathe better. What were you going to say?
3: Your movers, where they reposition or they... They spin around in their beds or I used to wake up like start at the head of my bed and then end up at the foot or if they fall off the bed because they're moving so
0: much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm Yeah. Um, And also that age group like picky eating beyond just like reference of like. Different tastes, right? Um, picky eating, especially with textures. Like, I had a whole week once where like eight of my patients all told me how much they hated mashed potatoes, and I was like, How dare you? Um, <laughs> it was the funniest thing. Like, every single one, I had never had that before, and that's why I've never forgotten it because it was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, but even like stru- struggling to like transition to solid foods, like super gaggers, vomiters, choking, mm-hmm. things are always going down the wrong pipe. And that, that actually can transition to like elementary school age groups right like that one's not just for toddlers that's mm-hmm. like you're you know there was like grown adults telling me they hated mashed potatoes so that one gets to stretch across to all ages but and same thing with like the wrong pipe or some choking digestively we'll see things like colic again that was me i was the colicky baby lots of spit up you can put on acid reflux medication as a baby and then, you know, you go into toddlerhood and you might still see that like they throw up really easily. Or if they take too big of a bite, they're always going to like spit it out. Mm-hmm. We'll see issues with like constipation because they don't chew their food thoroughly enough. And so it doesn't really make its way well down the rest of the digestive tract. You mm-hmm. um, never thought of that one. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. Super common. Super common. Yeah, I would say t- like ninety percent of our patients probably have some sort of digestive issues, mm-hmm. yeah, either constipation or the other one
3: diarrhea. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. your body just has a hard time processing the food if you don't chew it well has to work mm-hmm. way harder.
1: It yeah. is so amazing how what happens in our mouth impacts the rest of our body. Oh, yeah. Because I don't think most people view it as that. And you know, as a lactation consultant, I'm always telling parents, your body, your baby doesn't feed with just their mouth. They feed with their entire body. Uh-huh. And and Beautiful. if something is going on with their mouth, like I wasn't I was in my twenties before I even learned that if you had an infection, like a tooth infection, that could you could like die from it. <laughs> like I think you could go septic, like things like that. And I think it's some it's something that a lot of parents are surprised to learn too, because they're pediatrician. And most cases are not knowledgeable about this either.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I would say, like, <laughs> yeah. um, thinking about kids in elementary school, if they have any of those sort of ortho issues, like their baby teeth are tight, where there's not large spaces between the baby teeth, that's how we're supposed to be. But most of us are growing too small. So, Kids that have tight baby teeth that are cavity prone, like also if they have overbite, overjet, uh, crossbites, mm-hmm. you know, all mm-hmm. those things. Major underbite. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just signs that the jaws just aren't developing the, the way that they're supposed to. And so anytime you see that, that, there's always some sort of myofunctional disorder, some sort of functional reason why they have developed that way. Mm-hmm.
1: I think and then, for a lot of people, it's just accepted. Like, oh, this is just so, like, I'll work with a lot of families and they're like, oh yeah, he's, it's so cute. He snores just like his dad does. And it's viewed as like a family trait, right? Because it's genetic. So I'm like, yeah, I'm sure your husband has the same thing. And then if they are, if they do, like, I remember my son who has, he had a lip tie. He broke it on his own when he was about two, but he has a tongue tie and he was a miserable baby. He didn't sleep. He cried all the time. He had reflux. He had gas. I had massive oversupply. So I just sprayed milk into his mouth. So he gained. But it was not a good time. But every time I went to the pediatrician and, and tried to talk to them about it, they'd be like, well, he's gaining. So you're doing great. Mm-hmm. And I get yeah. that a lot from the families I work with.
0: Yeah. The pediatrician mm-hmm. also told me that Isabel wasn't tongue lip or cheek tied. So like, I don't have a whole lot of positives to say about Your that. Your
1: baby's one. just lazy. That's what I hear yeah.
0: Oh yeah! No, no my, why are you calling a baby lazy? <laughs> yeah, Izzy would gag because she was so tongue tied. But she had like lip lip blisters all around her lips. Like mm-hmm. I, literally, she literally couldn't eat. Um, it was awful. Yeah. it was miserable. I felt horrible. Um, yeah, and I felt horrible that like nobody else seemed to feel horrible that my baby couldn't like get any sort of like nutrition. So, but like uh, also kind of elementary school and even middle school, high school, we have like kids who struggle to pay attention. Um, they struggle to concentrate. They struggle to retain information. They've got big dark circles under their eyes. You know, they maybe get diagnosed with ADD or ADHD. That was my next question. If you, if you,
1: because I've read some studies that show that most diagnosed, like a large percentage of kids who are diagnosed with ADHD, are actually have sleeping disorders related to earway.
0: Yeah, and that's huge. Now, I will say, and I know Kimmy feels the same way as me. We're not saying ADHD does not exist. Sure. Right. It definitely does. (laughs) It absolutely does. Um, But we do see more often than not, that's where like the straight diagnosis goes to versus trying to figure out, okay, well, why are they having a hard time paying attention in school? Why are they really struggling? Um, I have a little buddy um, who I talk about during my consultations, a patient of mine um, who came to me and he was six and a half. He struggled with... Body control every day at daycare. He had a bad report. He struggled to make friends. He just was all over the place. He had huge tonsils and adenoids. He had a tongue tie and his chin was so far tucked back, right? And so we actually addressed all of those things. I didn't do his surgeries, but amazing ENT did for me, right? But I did the therapy around it, right? Because we all act as a team no braces, no anything, just the myofunctional therapy. We used a myomunchy and he turned into a different kid. Wow! He, like the picture I have that his mom sent me, he's sleeping like this, his chin super tucked back. The picture after therapy, his jaw grew forward so tremendously, his little cheeks filled out. He slept normal. He was a different human entirely because he actually like could sleep. Mm-hmm. And like, he didn't have to go on medication Love that. because he could sleep. Right. And again, That's not every kid's story, but that is a very common story. And so we have to get to, again, the root cause of why we're seeing some of these things happening and pull in from each specialist when we need to. Mm -hmm.
1: Collaborative Mm -hmm. care. I love it.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. We're all about it. And I'm sure that you run into
3: this, too, with like you're talking to the parents about the babies and then they're like, well, my kid. Does this, and then I, I have this symptom that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So let's go on to talk about maybe some adult symptoms. Yes. So, mm-hmm. I think the number one adult symptom that I come across is TMJ, mm-hmm. the clenchers, grinders, headaches, and then probably number two would be some sort of sleep disturbance, like either the really light sleepers or the chronic fatigue snore, sleep apnea. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: I think that's a one, two punch for sure. If I had Mm -hmm. to come in with a, you know, a bronze medal, it would probably be, um, they had braces once or twice as a kid or a teen and they've had relapse and they're having to have braces or Invisalign or whatever, again, as an adult. Mm -hmm. Mm,
1: I do find, so I, I have a tie and a high palette as well, and I have to have a permanent retainer after all the years of braces because if the retainer comes off might start to have a relapse
0: Mm -hmm. yeah so addressing that tie will release that tension from pulling those lower teeth in you know again face like natural retainer natural expander followed by natural retainer right i never guilt anybody for not wearing their retainer because i definitely ditched mine when i went to college before i was gonna be a dental hygienist but i haven't had any major relapse since Releasing my tongue tie and getting my tongue on the roof of my mouth, right? Nice. And so you know you shouldn't have to have braces forever. You shouldn't have to have your retainers forever. Again, form follows function, so for functioning properly, the form will maintain. So, yeah, I had a patient in Germany actually who, and it is the the record in my practice five times in braces by the age of twenty nine uh two phase as a kid had it again at 19 had him again at 26 because nobody ever told him he had a tongue thrust which was also contributing from a tongue tie so did his own research he found me we did myo, his tongue tie release addressed the tongue thrust during therapy got his fifth round of braces on and his bite is closed and has stayed closed for the past two years now and this Amazing. is the longest it has never opened up so but it shouldn't have taken him his own research and five times embraces to get right. Yeah. And let's just hit real quick. What a tongue
3: thrust is. Oh yeah. It's a combination of low muscle tone that developed an abnormal swallow pattern. So it can look like you have to push against your front teeth to swallow. You push in between your teeth to swallow or the tongue will kind of shoot out the sides of the mouth, like near your molars or premolars in the back teeth mm-hmm. out there. Or a really subtle one is you can't swallow without moving your face, like right around your your cheeks and mm-hmm. the corners of your mouth. So you see the pursing mm-hmm. or the wrinkling there. Mm-hmm. And that means that you're using your facial muscles to swallow versus the tongue suctioning and
0: pumping against the palate. Yeah, or even the little cheek, the little cheek blow up. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I feel like I see a lot of babies who are overcompensating and they they develop these like tight muscular, meaty cheeks that make it even harder because they're so tight, there's no like elasticity to form a seal. And (laughs) and the cheeks are super cute, but they can't they can't feed very well
0: exactly that's exactly it so you know and then they grow up into adults who like are all who are tight Mm -hmm. and they can't you know and so Mm -hmm. i think adults really struggle with tension you know there's kind of two two types of kid teen adult type patients either they're really low tone which is kimmy's type right and the kind of the mouth breather longer face less tone and the, or there's the really tight, tense people, and that's Megan's type. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> clenchers, grinders, er, you know, I can't mm-hmm. tell you how many times in like a massage or in any sort of like physical therapy or anything, they're like, you know, go ahead and relax. And I'm like, I am relaxing. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, honey, right? Like... Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Literally happened yeah. last week. Yeah. <laughs> like, relax. I am. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. no, you're not. Right. Yeah. I
1: get like so much tightness yeah. here. My massage therapist yells at me every time. I go see. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. 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 So, you know, you kind of usually fall on one side of those spec- the spectrums really mm-hmm. when it, when it mm-hmm. comes to that. So, and then we all have like, you know, Venn diagram, the middle circle where we all have like very similar symptoms. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a, doesn't really matter how we got there, but the similar symptoms, right. That's where we really, mm-hmm. you know, our specialty. that's our and mm-hmm. better yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. why, well, do you want to be respectful of your time? So if you could just um briefly give us like an idea of what it's like working with you guys, what the process looks like, and then where people can find you if they want
0: to connect with you, mm-hmm. yeah. well, first of all, it's super fun. We have a great time, all right? It's not torture. It's not, you know, we spend, you know, half the time laughing and, you know, cheering you on more than anything. Mm-hmm. You know, generally speaking, and you know, Kimmy can, Kimmy can jump in on this one too. You know, we want to evaluate. We want to see what actually is specific to your symptoms to come up with a customized treatment plan that makes the most sense for you and what you need. Um, there's hundreds of exercises out there, and yeah, you could spend lots of time with us learning them. But I like to figure out while well, you're already doing really well, and then where we can come in and help you along the way. I would say, you know, generally speaking, we work with you over the course of, you know, eight, nine, 10 months, depending on your needs. We ask that you practice. You know, we try not to overwhelm your life. So we try to work everything in to your day to day, make it not overwhelming. So you create these new habits. Um, generally, we like to see people every, what, Kimmy, two ish weeks, give or take, again, kind of based on schedule and timing. Because again, we're not here to overwhelm you. Mm -hmm. We're here to help, be alongside of you, be your guide to make these changes for your health, right? Like this is about you and for you, and we're just here to like coach you on, right, Mm -hmm. and get you to your goals and what your needs are. Mm -hmm. Perfect.
3: Yeah, and. Mine's basically
0: pretty much the same as Megan. <laughs> we work together. Like Kimmy and I work yeah. really closely together, mm-hmm. um, you know, and so we are. That's why we work together because our vibes mm-hmm. are very similar. Um, and Kimmy is awesome because she also does some specialty and specializes in some base yoga, um, EFT tapping, and so you know she has some of those extra kind of specialty stuff that she. Works in for those kind of advanced need patients as well.
3: That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Kimmy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also
0: um, have more
3: training in like younger kids. So mm-hmm. I can start around three, four, mm-hmm. five. It just depends on the situation. Mm-hmm. We also work a lot with families. So if one mm-hmm. person in the family needs therapy, we'll see everybody. <laughs> so that makes it a mm-hmm. lot easier and a lot more palatable for people. Um, yeah, because yeah. then mm-hmm. one person doesn't feel singled out or yeah. or whatnot. Yeah, it affects everyone in the family differently. You could all have similar ways that your tongue looks or functions, but it may affect you completely different. So mm-hmm. we kind of tailor it around everybody.
1: Mm-hmm. Is there an yeah. age where it's like too late?
3: <laughs>
0: no. LA. <laughs> my 75 and she's wow. It. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah, and actually so Kimmy and I actually we have a course for parents for toddlers that we uh it's us as well as we have a sleep specialist guru Jenny June then um, an amazing occupational therapist who focuses on the feeding aspect, um, B. Well. OT Kelsey Baker. And so again, like we're really into collaborative care. And so on the sections that we don't specialize in, we brought others in um, to help with that parent education. So that's a big course we call it the Spots for Tots, a parents guide for uh, oral motor dysfunction for toddlers. Um, so we have that available too, as kind of a stepping stone. To give parents some sort of guidance on what they need to do, and mm-hmm. you know who to work with, because it's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And you have your podcast, and we have our podcast, the Munch Bunch Podcast. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're kind of hard not to find. Uh, you can find <laughs> Kimmy on Mouth Muscle Memory on Instagram. You can find me at nwmft, and then you can find our podcast at the Munch Bunch Podcast.
1: Great, and I will link to those in the show notes. And thank you so much for joining me today.
0: Yes, thank Thank you for having us. us. Thank you for joining us this week on the Baby Pro Podcast. Make sure to
1: visit our website, shellytaftibclc.com, where you can check out more options for support through Pregnancy and Beyond, including the Baby Pro Bistro, our parenting community. You can also follow us on social media at IBCLC on Instagram. If you love the show, please leave us a rating or review on iTunes to help our episodes reach more parents like you. Thanks for listening.